Well, it got kind of quiet there. I, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm supposed to be up there. <laughs> I, uh, I, actually, what happened here, I got caught up talking to uh, Malou, uh, who's come to visit us today, uh, Rudy uh, and Malou. Would you stand just, just for a moment? Just stand. These are our guests today. They're, some of their family is here as well, which is such a blessing. But every year, uh, at Bonnie's birthday, yeah. Every year at Bonnie's birthday, they come to uh, be with us at church. Uh, Malou is a part of our church way back, way, way back. And, and, and she's always been such a blessing to us and, of course, us to her as well, obviously, that she would come back and, and uh, honor Bonnie like that. I think that's amazing, don't you? Every year, every year. What a, what, a, what a blessing. Well, we're glad that you're here. We want to welcome all you that joining us online. Sorry for that quiet part. While I was busy talking to somebody, I probably should have been up here, but uh, I'm here now. Amen. Just a couple of things before we get into the Word this morning. Uh, I just want to talk to you about, you know, Election Day is coming up. How many of you know that? Right? I mean, it's just weeks away now, midterm elections. It's kind of interesting that um, uh, when it comes time to vote, it seems like Christian people sometimes are going to, uh, and maybe everybody, but kind of backs off because they don't know everybody that's on there. There's no presidential election, just very few uh, public offices. And you may get thinking, well, my vote doesn't count. Let me just tell you something. Your vote does count. Amen. And I just I wanted to encourage you. You know, what we... At Elevate Ministries, we believe in voting the Bible. That's what we vote, the Bible. And so, uh, you know, you may not realize how important it is the school board is, but let me just tell you something. The school board's important. Uh, judgeships are, are important. The propositions are important. City council members, you know, uh, uh, our mayor, these things are important. And so what uh, you may not know who to vote for, uh, you may not know the people that's involved, but let me just encourage you, do a little research, go online, search out Christian uh, Voter Guide, and read through the candidates, the issues, the, the people, and they'll give you a heads up, and you can make the decision, I'm going to vote the Bible. Amen. I'm going to vote. Huh? We want to release the kids, by the way. Uh, kids can be released. I'm, I'm just out of shape here, I guess, not knowing... <laughs> What's going on? Uh, praise God. Uh, bye, kids. Be good, be good with the teachers today. Amen. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to take a moment to receive an offering, and um, as, we, as we would normally do here. You know, it's, I, I just think it's kind of interesting that uh, the, the, the times we're living in uh, things get, can get kind of tight, if you know what I'm talking about. You've got the uh, uh, inflation that's happening, you know, price of gasoline, you know, food. Every, everything seems to be going up, and you wonder, how am I going to make it? Well, there is a promise in the Bible. If you would look in Philippians chapter 4, uh, in verse number 19, there's a promise that's spoken. And that promise is, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, when you stop and think about that promise today, man, that's, that's a keeper. <laughs> Something we need to recognize that God is uh, wanting to supply all of our need. It's not just on you uh, to figure out how to navigate the seasons we're living in. It's really on God. But when you really study that out, you will also recognize that in those same, that same passage of Scripture, Paul's talking to the church of Macedonia, and he's telling them, He's saying, you know, there's no other church can, uh, uh, that supported me in ministry. No other church can, uh, 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 communicated with me concerning giving and receiving except you only. And so Paul was writing...
group, it, it happens when every member is able to stand up and, and operate as God intended them to do. Because let me just tell you something, you have a purpose on this earth. I'm looking for you to say amen to that. And now the Bible is pretty clear about this. And, and what I like is that um, the Word of God uses language that really helps us to understand who we are, what, what, what God wants from you and I. We know that God says that we are more than conquerors, that we are overcomers. There's the language that's used, you know, that we're a unique individual. We're actually his sons and daughters. I don't know if that means anything to you, but just the thought about being a son of God or a daughter of God really is kind of amazing. And then you recognize that the language that God uses, that, 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 that we are secure in him, that he created us unique. We're, we're not the same as everyone else. God's made us, handcrafted us in the mother's womb, in our mother's womb. He's made us and, and gifted us according to uh, 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 his design for our life. But in reality, I think one of the reasons that we struggle so much being healthy Christian people is because of something that I would call insecurities. And I think that in when we feel insecure, this kind of a nagging feeling that many of us, if not all of us, go through from time to time in our life that we're just not quite good enough, that we think like, maybe I don't fit in. You know, the thought that if I was, if people really recognized or knew who I was or where I've come from and some of the mistakes that I've made in my life, that I, that, you know, they, they wouldn't want to be around a, a me. And so there's these things that kind of work to hold us back. The power of insecurity is our past. May have been things that people said about us. It may have been, uh, you know, abandonment issues that we faced in our life, or maybe you've been abused or gone through a, a difficult situation. It kind of lowers our estimation below what God said that 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 we are in His mind, and it may have also been mistakes that we've made because. God knows we've all made our share of those, amen. And some of the things that we've done we're just not proud of, not, not happy about. And, and so it kind of works to hold us back from what God wants us to be. Because insecurity undermines our confidence. And without confidence, we can't be the best version of ourselves. If we're going to be the best version of ourselves, we've got to be able to square our shoulders look the world in the eye, recognize I may not be what you want me to be, but I am who God created me to be. And uh, I, I, you, I may think differently than you think, but I know what I think and why I think that because I'm a believer in the Word of God. And so instead of walking around wondering what we're fit in, we understand that God said we are accepted in the beloved, that God has uh, uh, brought us into the family of God. And so we can easily fall into this trap this trap that, that, uh, where we compare ourselves with other people and we think of ourselves as less than what we really are. Maybe you would consider this verse of Scripture with me this morning in Jeremiah, the first chapter. It's kind of interesting. Jeremiah, a prophet of God, an amazing man of God. And yet the Bible says in verse number uh, 5 of that first chapter... The Bible says, before uh, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I ordained you, sanctified you, and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so literally this powerful prophet of God uh, 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 is being spoken to here by, by God is ministering to him, and basically what he's saying is it doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done, because before you were even born, before you were conceived, uh, I had a purpose and I had a plan for your life. And so God is saying to Jeremiah, look, you're mine. I chose you. I ordained you. I called you. It's not performance-based. It's not a matter of what you can do for me. It doesn't matter. All of that stuff, I called you. You are important to me. And though maybe he was misunderstood by many people, 
in his prophetic uh, uh, season in his life, uh, at the same time, he was uh, uh, prophesied with such great confidence and he withstood so many attacks against his person simply because he was able to square his shoulders and say, look, I may not be, I may not say what you want to say, but I am saying what God said and I'm going to do what God called me to do no matter what you do to me. And so that was Jeremiah's uh, uh, understanding of what, what, what God did with Jeremiah, but consider this verse as he brings it down to you and I in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9. The Bible says, For God saved us, and God called us, and that calling was a holy calling, and it's not according to our works or what we have done, but that calling is according to his own purpose, his purpose and his grace, which was given to us by Christ Jesus. Check this out, before time began. And so this scripture should be an antidote for you and I, just like it was spoken to Jeremiah so many years ago. It means you were chosen by God. Amen. Failures that you've gone through, the things that you've done you're not proud of, what people have spoken about you or said about you, those that have hurt you or violated you, all those things aside, you understand you already are good enough because God put his hand upon you and called you. Your life is not to be compared to anybody else's. It is yours given to you by God with his purpose in mind. And all you've got to do is stand up and understand, I am accepted. Uh, I am a child of God. I have been called by the Lord. Amen. Now, unfortunately, Satan knows that insecurity has a potential with it to keep us from the, the, the purposes of God that he has for our life. And he knows that if he can convince you that you're not good enough, it knows that if he can put you down that, if you feel less than, if he does that to you, that, that, that you will compare yourself with others and that you will not function as God intended. You will not find the purpose that God has for your life. And the church, when we talk about the corporate church, it will suffer because the church has to have confident self uh, uh, understanding of what God's called us to, that has to be the membership of the church for us to function. And so this battle is one that's faced in the mind. This is not something external because, you know, when we feel insecure, we just put on a different facade. We just act a different way. We try to pretend like we got things together. But the reality is that you and I have to understand that as we think about ourselves, that's what we become. And we've got to stop that. We've got to get our things in, in order uh, because uh, all of us have failed in our lives. All of us have made issues and problems. We've gone through divorce. We've gone through crises in our life. We've gone through bankruptcies. All the different things that are a part of life and the enemy wants to think that we're, make us think we're not what God wants us to be. But that's why God says we need to cast down every thought, bring it into obedience to the word of God. We've got to win this battle, lift our heads, and understand we have confidence that God has put his hand upon us because our past can either hold us down or we can uh, instead realize that our past is an open door, as was spoken this morning, an open door that we've got to walk through and fulfill the call of God in our lives. Amen. Even the great apostle Paul struggled with insecurity. Now, I don't know about what school teaches today. When I was in school, high school, that's many years ago, studying world history, we studied about the Apostle Paul. Now, that's probably not done today. Wouldn't be popular, but I, we studied about him because, well, of the magnitude of the things that he accomplished in his life. Most of us here today would recognize Paul, the Apostle, two-thirds of the New Testament he wrote. Much of the theology that we hold today, that we stand on today, 
comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He was a man's man, a man that would not kowtow to anybody that tried to come after him. He made a decision, I'm going to stand for God, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And so we think of him in those terms, and yet he wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now that's an amazing statement. It's one of my favorite places of scripture. I read it often personally whenever I'm fighting a battle in my own life that deals with insecurity. Because firstly, I'd like to take this passage of scripture apart a little bit and look at three areas. And the first one is this, insecurity strikes at all of us. I'm looking for you to say amen. You'd like to maybe think that we you know, are self-confident, but there's something in human nature, and of course we know that it's spiritually driven that causes insecurity in our, in our lives. And so we look back now on the apostle's life, and we recognize this was the pre preeminent, there's the word, it wouldn't want to come, the preeminent man. I mean, he was the man of the hour. He shaped history. And yet here in our text, we recognize that Paul himself struggled with insecurity. He said, for I am the least of the apostles. This is a word in the original language that deals with in his estimation, in his own mind. He saw himself as the least of the apostles. And then he goes on to say, and I, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Worthy means sufficient or fit in character. And so literally what he's saying is in my own eyes, I don't feel like I am worthy to be an apostle, my character, my past has kind of disqualified me from, from that feeling. And so when we read those words, we could be almost tricked into thinking, well, Paul was just being humble. I mean, humility is a good thing. He was a powerful man, and so he's just going to be kind of humble. But indeed, he really did struggle with inferiority. And the the question might come to our mind, why is that? And he writes it. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. And so we recognize Paul had regrets in his life. He realized that his past was horrid. That in trying to do what was right, he had made mistakes in understanding and literally he had failed miserably the God that he was now called to serve. If you were to study this out, we realize that if Paul would not have gotten victory over his feelings of insecurity, all of human history would have been changed. In other words, for him to accomplish all that he did, the formation of the, of the Gentile nations, bringing them together, as a church, if he had not gone victory and said, look, I, I, I know that I, I, I feel like I have failed God and so I'm really not qualified to do what I'm doing. If he hadn't pulled down that thought, that insecurity, he never would have accomplished what you and I enjoy today, the church of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the book of Acts shows us how, how Paul failed. It's, if you read through the book of Acts in several different places, you recognize that he traveled about for the purpose of jailing Christians. That he went to disrupt and dismantle 
the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible uses language that, that's interesting as Paul went about breathing out threatenings and slaughter. And so, you know, you kind of pick up the understanding that his attitude was, was violent. The Acts chapter 22 and 4 says, I, Paul says, I've hunted down and I've, I have killed the followers of Jesus. I've seized them. I've thrown them into prison, both men and women. And so literally what the apostle has done and the past in his life is pretty despicable. It's pretty uh, uh, awful. And so this type of a past would be pretty difficult to overcome for someone who God somehow chose to be the leader of the church. I mean, if you stop and let that run through your mind a little bit, you realize that, that Paul was chosen by God to be the leader of the church. I, I, I don't know that I would have made that same choice, and I'm sure you wouldn't have made that choice. You probably would be looking for someone uh, that, that was well thought of, someone who had a great reputation within the church world. You'd be looking for someone that had some uh, a, a brilliance that he was able to lead uh, uh, people forward. But we recognize that, that, that while we may not have chosen not like a, a man like that, God would. Something about God, he looks at things differently than we do. Aren't you glad about that? And so here we are. Here's an apostle, the, the leader of the Gentile nation church. And we recognize that he was tasked with going from church to church, traveling from place to place, and bringing to them theology, bringing to them vision, bringing direction, understanding of purpose of what they've been called to. And you can maybe imagine what it would have been like for the Apostle Paul to show up in church. I mean, I've been guest speakers in a lot of different churches as the Apostle Paul did. Can you imagine walking into a church and you see a little knot of people that are standing there talking and in, in the devil's whispering in your ear, they're talking about you, fool. I mean, they're probably saying, you know, how can we trust this guy? I mean, after all, he's made a mess of the church. He, he's murdered, put in jail our leadership, tried to destroy who we are, and now he's going to speak to us? He's going to tell us what we're supposed to believe and what we're supposed to do? I don't think so. And so you can imagine the Apostle Paul, his thought pattern, he would be assaulted in his mind with insecurity. When I speak today, who's going to listen? Who's going to care what I have to say? I've discredited myself in the eyes of people. And so Paul had a battle on his plate here. He had to figure out, I've got to overcome this because while I've made a mess of my past, it was God who's appointed me to be an apostle. And so I've got to overcome this insecurity. I've got to stand up like a man of God, and I've got to deliver the word. And that's exactly what he did. Paul won that battle. Aren't you glad? And let me just tell you something. It's no different for you and I today. We have the same battle on our plate that we've got to fight with. Am I good enough? I've come from a, of a background. I, 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 I'm listening to Jennifer this morning when she comes up. Isn't she amazing when she speaks? I mean, she just speaks and everybody's listening. Well, there's a history to that. And, and uh, she was nothing but a prayer request. I was trying to communicate that with Malou before. The, the Jen was just a prayer request. Grew up in a, in a drug home. Came here to Southern California, didn't know really anything, didn't even know n normal manners or things and etiquette or n none of the things that you and I might take for granted. And yet today, she's overcome all of that. She stands and she leads and people just follow what she has to say. Why? Because God works in a crazy way. Amen. And so you and I have got to understand something and Paul felt unqualified, and so the battle was in his mind, but he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow my past to hold 
me back. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up and function with the authority of God because while I, before I was in my mother's womb, God called me and he chose me. Uh, he gave me his purpose to fulfill in my life. And so today I've got to understand something. Uh, I don't care what everybody else thinks, whether whatever everybody else feels. I'm going to stand uh, as a man or a woman of God, a child of God, a son or a daughter of the Lord. I am accepted. I have been called, and I'm going to stand up and deliver what God's called for me. Amen. Now, the second thing I would look at, first thing, all of us struggle with that, and I think it's critical that we recognize that. I think that's part of the power of insecurities is you think you're the only one. You know, you just kind of think like, well, everybody else fits in, everybody else is doing, it's just me. And it's not true. It's every one of us. But the second thing is that we've got to find security, and security is found in God's grace. It can only be found in God's grace. I think it's something we need to understand is we can't ever be good enough on our own. I think of the words of the famous song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you, 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 you listen to the words of that song and you recognize that the author was involved with murder, much like the Apostle Paul, slave trader, enslaving people, taking them to all different areas within the new world. And as he was doing that, he watched death and destruction all around him that he was responsible for but something was in him when all of a sudden he realized, I need to write a song that glorifies God for other people to hear. We've got it today. And what was on his mind is amazing grace. How sweet the sound of that is to my ears. Here he was, a, a, a nobody, a, a, a despicable man, and yet today here, all these centuries later, we lift our voice to sing the words of his deliverance. He won the battle in his life. See, Paul's calling was not a light calling. No small task. God called him, if you remember in the book of Acts, when God called him, uh, he had given his heart to Christ. He was on his way to Damascus to destroy the lives of Christian people and undermine the church. And instead, God saves him in a miraculous fashion. He's taken to the city, and, and there in the city, he's so excited because what God's done in his life, and yet nobody in the church believed him. Matter of fact, they didn't like him so much that he had to be lowered in a basket up from the walls of the city to escape with his life. And yet, here he was, called by God to overcome all of that and to operate and lead the New Testament church. And so he was going to have to mold together people of different nationalities, different backgrounds, different cities, different people, gods that they worshiped. He was have to bring them together. And, 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 and uh, as the church of Jesus Christ, he was going to have to write much of the doctrine that you and I hold today, not the Jewish uh, uh, understanding, uh, but the Christian understanding uh, of doctrine. He was going to have to clarify issues. He was going to have to resolve conflicts in his life. And to do this, he would have to have a real confidence that God's behind me, God's called me to do this. And so while we would think of that and say that might not be the man that, that would be the right man for the job, God, God decided it was. And the reason was he says, I am not worthy to be an apostle. Uh, I, 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 in my own estimation, in my own eyes, I'm, there's no way that I'm fit in character for that, but I am. I am what I am. And I am what I am because of one thing, the grace of God. Amen. And so Paul's got to fight this battle over his mind 
instead of bringing up the past, he's got to recognize that what the enemy meant for evil, God actually meant for good. That the mistakes that I've made, that the shortcomings that are a part of my life, that the fact that God's grace helped me to overcome that now opens the door for me to walk into God's calling and to help people that have similar issues and problems in their life. And so here he is. He says, I may not be worthy. Uh, uh, no man is, nobody is, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And so his testimony actually moves him through the door of opportunity and the reason an unqualified man becomes a qualified man to lead the church is simply because he won the battle of insecurity in his mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, Paul writes this in understanding. He says, Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Maybe we would think about that for just a moment this morning. Consider who we were before Jesus. And when we think about who we were before Jesus came into our lives, we begin to understand something that God took us in our failure and he brought us into not only his light, but in his purpose. And so he says, remember, not many of you were wise scholars by human standards. And I would say that's kind of like an understatement there. Nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered elite when you answered God's call. But God chose you or those whom the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And God chose us puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, the nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies, for he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. And so you and I can stand up and say, I don't care what the, uh, today's values are in, in, in California. I have a different set of values, uh, and I'll put to shame uh, anyone who thinks that uh, our rights are being taken away, and what they mean is the right to take a child, the life of a child. How ridiculous can that be? And so you and I stand today realizing, as the Apostle Paul, we overcome through our testimony and our failure in the past is what actually qualifies us for the purposes of God. Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. And he says, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, then he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just like God was there for us. And so you begin to recognize that our past actually qualifies us to help other people. In 2 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter again, in verse 6, he says, First, if troubles weigh us down, that just means that we receive even more comfort to pass along to you for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring into us empowers us to bring comfort to you. What a tremendous thought for you and I. Because grace is something that's so difficult for us to understand. I don't know whether you've ever struggled with it, but when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was not proud as I look back of, of my life. At that time, I was a businessman, and I did have some respectable businesses in that I owned several automobile dealerships and the like, but I also owned a drive-in liquor store and a nightclub. And I can tell you that some of the things that happened in those establishments that I owned were not very good. And so when I got saved, 
I came to church. I was excited because God loved me. He forgave me. I heard that. And I went to take communion for the first time. And one of the elders in the church was giving me communion. And before he did, he says, how can you be saved and own a car dealership and a nightclub? And I mean, that was, you know, as far as healthy church activity, that's as low as you go, amen. But, but I, I, I had to stop and recognize, yeah, I mean, that's right. How in the world am I ever uh, going to be good enough uh, uh, because of the past that I had? But I began to grow <clears throat> and in, in, in the understanding of God's grace, that God had forgiven me, that God had called me. And so I began to uh, uh, question. I, I've got to learn about this. And so I couldn't figure out grace. It didn't make sense to me. And so I asked my pastor, I says, what, what does it mean? What does grace actually mean? He says, well, it means unmerited favor. And, uh, you know, he said those you know, a couple of words and just throws it out. That's the standard definition that you're going to get everywhere that you go, and, 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 and it just didn't make sense to me, you know, unmerited favor, something that I get favor that I don't really deserve, I guess. I, it just really didn't ring true for me, and so I began to ask other pastors, other, other Christians, and, and, and nobody gave me an answer that really satisfied me until one day, feeling like, you know, man, I gotta get a, I gotta get a grip on this, there was at my dealership, my car dealership, I was having resurfaced the lots where the lots where our cars were displayed. And out there, uh, who I hired to do that was a man named F.H. Bowers. I, I'll never forget F.H. He was nobody special. He's a, kind of a nobody. He always had a scruffy uh, face and kind of short and round. And he, he his clothes were always stained with that uh, black asphalt that was... <clears throat> would get all over him because of what he did. And, but uh, I, I remember walking out on the, on the uh, lot as he was spraying and, and, and doing the work, and I said, F.H., I said, you know, I got a question for you. I know you've been a Christian a long time. He said, I said, I gave my life to Christ. He says, you know, I, I, I heard about that. That's, that's good. I'm glad. And I said, but I got a question. I said, you know, I, I've tried to ask everybody what grace means. Nobody gives me an answer that I really can understand. And so, do you have an answer for me? What is grace? And he just kind of laughed and he looked at me and he says, oh yeah. He says, well, grace, well, that's just all of the mess ups that you've had in your life. That's where God meets you. And all of a sudden, I began to click for me. Began to understand that when I'm weak, well, actually, <laughs> there's strength in that. That somehow that my past and my failures and my my discouragements and, and, and the words that have been spoken over, those actually open a door for me to understand what others are going through and opens a door that I can walk through and my testimony becomes great and powerful before the Lord. And so instead of wondering why did God choose me, I began to recognize, well, because of my mess-ups. He chose me because of my past. And so now I've got to take that past. I am what I am because of his grace. Amen. Now, let me close with just this final thought. And that is God's grace is valuable. Now that may, you know, that may honestly just kind of roll off and you'd say, well, duh. I mean, of course, God's grace is valuable, but I'd like to think about that with you for a moment this morning. Maybe you would actually say that with me, just that it's part of what you are hearing this morning. God's grace is valuable. Would you say that with me? God's grace is valuable. Now, the trouble with grace is that we end up taking it for granted. It's just something about the nature of God that we're forgiven, we're accepted, we're loved in spite of who we are and in spite of our problems that after a while we first receive it. It's so exciting to know that he's forgiven us, but as we 
progress in our Christian walk, we begin to realize that the blessings of God that we were so excited about saying, God, why are you blessing me so much? I, I don't deserve this, God. And yet he's pouring out these blessings as we navigate our life. We can honestly begin to think, well, yes, I'm getting blessings. I, that's because I'm doing what's right now. And let me just tell you something. That's not true. God's grace is there for you when you're not good enough. It's not when you're good enough. It's when you're not. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes and he says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Think about that. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another expressing love in all that we do. Literally what Paul is saying to us is that this freedom that comes to us in God's grace, we can begin to take advantage of and actually use it for our own benefit, for our own lives, and forget about everything else that's going on around us. And, 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 and Paul says, no, no. God's grace for your life is so that you come to a point where you're free of self indulgence and you become understanding that now I need to serve others because freely grace was given to me and so now freely I'm called to give that grace out that grace that that blesses my life so is not just for me and my family there's something so much more in that, that freedom that we have, that wonderful blessings that are ours are given to us so that now we can use them for the kingdom of God and for the purpose that he gave us before time began. What I love about this passage of scripture is that Paul goes on to say, while I am not worthy to be an apostle, I'm not worthy to be called by that name. But grace has caused me to be what I am today. But then he goes on to say, so I took that grace and I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but again, the grace of God, which was with me. And so what Paul did is he, he took the grace of God, the victory that he got over the insecurities of life and he got busy. And so he was so filled with gratitude that God would use him despite his own failures that he got up and began to say, you wanna know something? That God's grace is upon my life. And so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna use my life for the kingdom of God. That's what a healthy church functions as it would. When we do, as we have done so much of recently, working in Africa, working Destiny Rescue, and working in Mexico, and all that we've been doing right now, we can't take the grace of God and let it just be for us to enjoy the presence of the Lord and the beauty of the sanctuary that God's given us and all of that. We can't allow it to stop there we have to say, wait a second, what we have is a blessing of God and it's so valuable that we can't just take it for ourselves. We've got to share it with others. Freely we've received God's grace and now freely we must give it out. And so the question comes today, do you understand the value of grace in your life? Because if you do, if you truly do understand the value of God's grace in your life, then you recognize this is not just for me. It was for me so that I could give it to others. And so today I wonder, what will you do with the grace of God? 
And that brings us right back to what we have been preaching about the power of people that come together, 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 in person and on purpose, the power that's a part of unity. But that unity only happens as each one of us is healthy. Each one of us is realizes, as we've said from the beginning in our church, that you are important in God's plan. The gifts that God gave you, the finances that God gave you, the testimony that you have, they're not yours just to bask in the glory of that and enjoy the fruit of that. It was given to us for a purpose. And as the apostles said, I'm determined that God's grace is not in vain. It's not just going to go to satisfy me. That grace, I'm going to labor more abundantly than them all. And it won't even just be me doing it. God's grace is going to help me. And so, friend, listen to me today. You're a part of our ministry. We're so grateful for that. But let me just tell you something. You are so valuable in the kingdom of God. There's a battle that wants to keep you down, keep you from being everything that God has called you to be, gifted you to be, empowered you to be. And that is insecurities that come, and the past is the power of that. That's what tries to hold us back. But let me just tell you something. You need to look in the past. That's what, what Paul says. Look in the past and recognize where you would be if it wasn't for God's grace. And recognize, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you delivered me from a lifestyle of sin and ushered me into the kingdom of God. And now, Father, my life is not my own, it's yours. I am what I am by the amazing, wonderful, sweet-sounding word, grace. Could you bow your hearts with me this morning? Oh, I just feel his presence. I know our God is so amazing. It's taken a bunch of us, a bunch of nobodies, and well, He set us on our feet, gave us a vision, gave us a call, and gave us a purpose. Today, I, I, I thank you that you take the time to say, Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Can't do it without him. And so today, Father, we come and draw to the conclusion of this service with a recognition, a realization, God, that you've given us that amazing grace. And so, Father, today, help us to utilize that grace for your, your reason, your purposes. And in that, God, continue to pour out more grace on us. And so today, with heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you'd be here today, and you're fighting a battle with insecurity. Now, knowing human nature, I, I recognize that there's probably not a person that battles with insecurity that wants to admit that. It's just like who we are. We think, we think in terms that, no, nah, no, nah, that's not a problem in my life. But the truth of the matter is, insecurity does strike at us all. <clears throat> now, you may have gotten total victory over that. For that, I'm very glad. But today, if you're struggling in this battle, fighting this battle with insecurities, I'm not good enough comparing yourself to others. I want you to to be brave enough, to be strong enough, to stand up and say, that's a battle that I am facing, but I want victory over it. I'm willing to do what's required to get it. And so if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. Not a matter of raising hands, you've got to be able to face this thing down. You never get victory, folks, without admitting need. Without admitting need, you can't get victory. Insecurities. Again, those insecurities tied to the past. Maybe it's what people did to you. Maybe the fact that you've struggled financially and so you feel like you're less than. Maybe it's because you've suffered through a divorce or married into a blended family that's having issues or problems right now or 
Or maybe you've had an affair and, 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 and things have just been upside down. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe someone abandoned you. It's okay. You feel like you're less than. Don't allow it. Let's, let's change that. So I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come to the altars with me this morning if you would do that. Gather together here in the front. And, I, you know, I think <clears throat> we ought to give a hand clap of praise to people that are not afraid to admit struggles, insecurities, insecurities. Oh, grace, grace. Such a sweet-smiling babe. Grace, grace. For I'm the least of all the people in the church. I'm not even worthy to be called a member of the church because of my past, what I've done. But I am what I am simply because God's taken my mess and made it an opportunity for a great future. And so I'm going to take that future. I'm not going to sit back because that grace is so valuable that saved a wretch like me. And I'm going to use that grace for the kingdom of God with my life. And so, Father, right now, I pray over this precious members of the body of Christ. And I'm asking you, Father, for some supernatural strength, Father, to recognize our need for grace. That that need was not one time, just for one moment of time to save us, but that grace is for every moment of every day because, Lord, by ourselves we're not enough. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, over these precious ones, I'm asking you to help them. Lord, to fill them with the understanding that you are my daughter. I've chosen you and I've called you. You're the apple of my eye. I want you to be the head of you're the one that I have graced with a great testimony. And with that testimony comes great power and authority. And in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that as we fight this battle in our mind, we make the decision to pull down every stronghold, every thought, bring it into obedience that we are children of God, son of God, son of God, daughter of God uniquely formed, handcrafted in my mother's womb for a purpose that was given to me before time began. Lord, it's beyond our imagination, our ability to think of it. But Lord, in Jesus' name, encourage your children, Lord. Help us, Father, as we battle through these insecurities that we might stand with our head above our shoulders, Lord, with our minds fixed upon the truth and the reality of what you've called us to be. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, allow your word to work this morning. Lord, let it stir us, God. Change us, God. Help us, God. Oh, stand to your feet all over this auditorium in the name of Jesus. Thanking you, praising you, honoring you today, Lord. God, fill us with the understanding of our value in the kingdom. That we're not less than, but Father, we are who you call us to be. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Is it all?
God of breakthrough. Yes. He's a God of breakthrough. Let's sing this out today. Yes. Sing it from your heart. Think about these words today. Sing it. And I know breakthrough is coming. And by faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Come on, sing it from your heart. Lift it up. up next week. Can we do that? God bless you as you go. We love you. Have a great week. God bless you.